0: Please open with me the Bible, Matthew 16, 13. Matthew chapter 16, starting from 13, 13 through 20. This is the holy, infallible word of God. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples saying whom do men say that I the son of man am and they said some say that thou art John the Baptist some Elias and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets He says unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou hast loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. The second portion is on John 20. Verse nineteen through twenty three John twenty verse nineteen. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, well aware the disciples were Assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst, and says unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he has so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Please turn to Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 30, 31, on page 64, and keep it open if possible. Page 64, Lord's Day 31. Question eighty three. What are the keys of the kingdom of heaven? Answer the preaching of the Holy Gospel and Christian discipline or excommunication out of the Christian church. By these two, the kingdom of heaven is opened to believers and shut against unbelievers. Question 84. How is the kingdom of heaven opened and shut by the preaching of the Holy Gospel? Answer. Thus, When, according to the command of Christ, it is declared and publicly testified to all and every believer that whenever they receive the promise of the gospel by a true faith, all their sins are really forgiven them of God for the sake of Christ's merits. And on the contrary, when it is declared and testified to all unbelievers and such as do not sincerely repent, that they stand exposed to the wrath of God and eternal condemnation, so long as they are not unconverted. According to which testimony of the gospel God will judge them, both in this and in the life to come? Question 85. How is the kingdom of heaven shut and opened by Christian discipline? Answer. Thus, when according to the command of Christ, Those who under the name of Christians maintain doctrines or practices inconsistent therewith and will not, after having been often brotherly admonished, renounce their errors and wicked course of life, are complained of to the church or to those Who are thereunto appointed by the church, and if they despise their admonition, are by them forbidden the use of the sacraments, whereby they are excluded from the Christian church, and by God Himself from the kingdom of Christ. And when they promise and show real amendment, are again received as members of Christ and his Church. You may wonder why the Heidelberg Catechism talks about the topic of the keys of kingdom Right after the topic of Lord's Supper, these two are closely connected because a very important use of the keys of the kingdom of heaven is to prevent some from attending Lord's Supper. However, the keys of kingdom of heaven are much weightier than preventing some from attending the Lord's Supper. It is about opening and shutting the kingdom of heaven. Boys and girls, imagine that you are in a line at the border of a foreign country, And immigration officers are examining each one. You are like standing at the door of that country, as it were, and the immigration officers are like the key holders who can open that door for you to let you in or shut that door and ask you to go back. Likewise, there are keys of the kingdom of God and also key holders. And the authorized key holders can open or shut the kingdom of God. Entering the kingdom of heaven is important for each one of us and so are the keys of the kingdom of heaven you will hear the theme the keys of kingdom of heaven with the following three thoughts the first the two kingdom the, the two keys second the function of the key of the preaching And the third, the function of the key of the discipline. What we'll see in this sermon is this. Through the gospel preaching and the Christian discipline, Christ, through his officers, opens and shuts the kingdom of heaven so that true believers are comforted. Unbelievers are kept away from the Lord's Supper and the kingdom, admonished to repent, and those who repent could be readmitted to the kingdom. First, let us look at the two keys. Boys and girls, think for a moment about a key. A key reminds you of a door with a lock. A door with a lock means that this door can be locked or opened and that not everyone can freely enter this door. In the Bible, the word key has more than the above meanings. Key means the power and authority to open and close an important access. The person who carries a key has the power and authority as a steward, and he could act on behalf of the house owner to open and close access to the house. Isaiah 22, verses 21 and 22 says, I will commit thy government into his hand, and the key of the house of God will I lay upon his shoulder. So he shall open nun." Shall shut and he shall shut, and none shall open. This key holder, who is the Messiah, is very powerful and he opens or closes a crucial door. So, what door is so crucial, children? You may think of your home door. How sad it would be if you are locked out and can't enter. But this is only a lockout of a temporary home. The permanent home is in heaven. How horrible it would be if you cannot enter the heavenly home. The most important door in the universe is the door to the kingdom of heaven. But remember that this door has the lock, lock and the keys. Jesus says in Matthew sixteen nineteen to Peter, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou hast, thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus is saying that the ministers and church office bearers as the caretakers or stewards of the house of God have the power and authority to open and close this door to the kingdom of God. So what are the keys? The scripture tells us two keys, the gospel preaching and the church discipline. Why is the preaching of the Holy Gospel a key? The proof texts are John 20 verse 23 and the second Corinthians 5:18 through 20. The preaching of the gospel is the preaching of the Word of reconciliation. Under the ministry of reconciliation, people react differently and thus form two lines, as it were, at the border of the kingdom of heaven. One line is of the people who repent upon the priest's sin and believed in the priest Christ. The preaching declares to the people in this line that they are reconciled to God for the sake of Jesus Christ's merits and opens the door to the kingdom of God for them. In contrast, the other line is of the people who do not repent and do not believe the preached Christ. The preaching testifies that the people in this line are not reconciled with God and thus shut the door to the kingdom of God. As long as they are unconverted. Dear friend, which line are you in? Boy and girl, which line are you in? Each Sunday, under the gospel preaching, Each one of us goes to one of the two lines. Are you comfortable to go to the line of unbelievers each Sunday? Or do you desire to join the line of believers you know which line will be permitted into the kingdom of God. And your heart is heavy. Jesus says to you, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. So the one key is the gospel preaching. The other key is the Christian discipline. That is based on Matthew 18 verses 17 and 18, which will be fleshed out later. Then how does each key function. Let's first look at the function of the key of the gospel preaching. The kingdom of God is opened to the believers through the gospel preaching. According to John three eighteen and 36, the answer 84 says, The kingdom of God is opened when, according to the command of Christ, it is declared and publicly testified to all and every believer that whenever they receive the promise of the gospel by a true faith, all their sins are really forgiven them of God for the sake of Christ's merits. When a pastor or preacher proclaims and publicly testifies that your sins are forgiven, when you receive Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven is open to you as a believer. It is like that you are hearing your sins are forgiven by the mouth Of a minister. You may have been craving to hear Jesus Himself speaking directly to you personally that your sins are forgiven. But Jesus is now in heaven and He does not come to earth in person to speak directly to you in person or in dreams or visions. But now he speaks through his word and the preaching of the word through his servants. Christ does the ministry of reconciliation by the word of reconciliation through his ambassadors according to 2 Corinthians 5:18 through 20 when a preacher says your sins are forgiven when you receive Christ your sins are truly forgiven by Christ, when you receive Jesus. It is same as Jesus himself saying to a believer, your sins are forgiven. By such proclamation, the kingdom of heaven is open to you as believers. Boys and girls, Imagine that you and your family want to visit a dream country. And you all need visas to enter into that country. Let's say that only the foreign minister of that country has the power and authority to issue the visas to you with his signature but the foreign minister is with his president in his country, and you cannot meet him in person to receive your visa there. However, he issues visa through his staff in the embassies and consulates in many nations. You may prefer to receive your visa by the hand of the foreign minister himself. But you should also know that the visa you receive from an embassy staff is the same. These staff have the power and authority delegated to them by the foreign minister so that they can issue the visa in the name of the foreign minister with his signature on the visas. A pastor declares that if you have a true faith, your sins are truly forgiven. You may wonder whether you have true faith in Jesus Christ or not. A true faith has three elements. Knowledge, assent, and trust. You have the knowledge Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. and you assent or agree. Now you have the first two elements of faith, but you are not sure whether you are trusting Jesus. This trust manifests itself in your desire and action regarding Jesus. A person who truly believes something has a desire or a will to act upon according to his belief. If you believe or trust Jesus, the Son of God, then you will want to worship him love him and obey him the most important thing here is not whether you have enough desire to worship him and obey him but the having or not having such desire a small faith has small will and desire to act upon that belief. A big faith has big will or desire to act upon that faith. If you have a desire, small or big, to worship him and sometimes deny yourself to obey him, then your desire and action show your belief. If you keep keep worrying about whether you have loved the Lord enough, this worry shows your desire to love the Lord more. If your motive is to keep the law, keep the law of God, not for the fear of man, but for the sake of God, then that motive small or big reveals your belief. Although you and I fail often, By the key of the gospel preaching, the key carriers open the kingdom of God to the believers. This key also locks and closes the kingdom of heaven to unbelievers. Answer 84b says, And on the contrary, when it is declared and testified to all unbelievers, and such as do not sincerely repent, that they stand exposed to the wrath of God and eternal condemnation, so long as they are unconverted. According to his testimony of the gospel, God will judge them, both in this and in the life to come the closing of the kingdom of heaven is to declare to all unbelievers and hypocrites, the wrath of God and eternal condemnation lie upon you and God will judge you as long as you do not repent and believe in Jesus. This proclamation is to all those who reject Jesus and refuse to repent, and also to those who pretend to repent and believe. You may think in your heart that you cannot repent without the Holy Spirit, and therefore you can do nothing. You imply that if you are not saved, then it is because God did not do his part. If your logic is right, then God would be unrighteous to condemn you. But our God It's impossible to be unrighteous. So I urge you to forsake this logic and to forsake the subtle shifting of blame to God. Adam subtly blamed God, but that did not work. Before the judgment seat, your subtle blaming God will not work either. I understand that it is difficult to wrap our mind about being dead spiritually on the one hand, but also being commanded to repent and believe. I plead with you that you must not think that it is all God's work. What you can do is just sit back and do nothing with zero responsibility. It is true that repentance and faith are all God's work, but also true that they are his solemn command to you. He is willing to help us in performing his commandments. Salvation is 100% God's sovereignty and at the same time 100% man's responsibility. It is not easy to grasp this paradox fully, but we should know that it is wrong to emphasize God's sovereignty only, but to neglect responsibility. Blame shifting to God's sovereignty will not be accepted. Never blame God for anything, but blame ourselves. Ask God earnestly to help you to obey his commandment to repent and believe. Boys and girls, closing of the kingdom of heaven is a horrible thing. Did you ever experience that you ran to your flight in the last minute, but the airplane door was closed? That would be a very sad experience. Think about that God shut the door of Noah's Ark in Genesis. The door of the Ark is a picture of the door of heaven. The most dreadful thing in the universe is the closing of the kingdom of heaven to you. Boys and girls, I I urge you to repent and believe in Jesus if you have not. Maybe you think that you will be okay or somewhat excusable because you are very young. But you are deceived. There is no excuse because of age. Children who did not believe in the time of Noah were not excused, but perished. Boys and girls, imagine yourself Standing outside of the door of Noah's ark, listening to the preaching of Noah, he points you to the ark and please you to enter. Do you have many reasons not to enter? Can you say to Noah, I cannot because I am too busy with my friends, with my homework, and many things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Make repentance and belief your very, very first priority. And all other things, will be in place later. Believe and enter the ark first before you do any other things. Noah is like the pre- a minister and his ark is like Christ. Week by week, your pastors plead with you to believe in Jesus and be saved, and also sincerely warn you that the final shutting of the kingdom will be soon. Do you take this preaching seriously? Or are you taking preaching slightly as those people in the Noah's time. This is how the key of the preaching of the gospel opens and closes the kingdom of God. Now, we hear about the key of the church discipline. the keys of kingdom of heaven. We have heard the two keys and we have heard the the function of the key of the gospel preaching. Now we are going to hear about the function of the key of the church discipline. Question 85. How is the kingdom of heaven shut and opened by Christian discipline. This is about the function of the key of the Christian discipline in shutting and opening the kingdom of heaven. How should the church exercise this key to shut the kingdom and how to reopen that? I want to look at three things First, there are two things that should happen first before church discipline. Private admonition and church admonition. Second, I will talk about church discipline proper, which has two parts, censor and excommunication. Then, third, the way to re enter the kingdom is repentance. The first thing before the church discipline is private admonition. Who should be admonished privately? Answer 85 says, Those who, under the name of Christians, maintain doctrines or practices inconsistent therewith. This combines both Jesus' teaching in Matthew 18 and Paul's command to admonish one another in Romans 15 verse 14 and Colossians 3 verse 16. Not only we should admonish another When he offends us, but also we should admonish another when what he teaches or how he lives is not consistent with the Bible, even though he may not have offended you personally. How should we admonish or rebuke another? Brotherly, privately and repeatedly. Matthew eighteen fifteen says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained Thy brother. Jesus mas- mentioned thy brother twice here. Jesus did not say, If one of you shall trespass, but if thy brother shall trespass. This brotherly approach means both brotherly love and brotherly humility. You treat him as your own brother, and you approach him with brotherly love. Brotherly humility means that you do not approach him as if you are above him or better than him come as a sinner yourself. You come under him to serve him by brotherly love and humility as a fellow brother. While we rebuke in a brotherly manner, we also do so Privately, according to Jesus, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Imagine that you are rebuked by your brother with brotherly love and humility but in front of many. How difficult it is for your brother to gain you back. This is not love. This is putting you to shame. Privateness This is putting you to shame in the name of love. Publicity at this age, at this stage, is contrary to brotherly love. Privateness is not merely verifying first before going public. The privateness itself Is a showing of love. And this kind of love helps draw people to repentance. In private admonition, we need to do so repeatedly. When Paul says, you admonish one another, the verb admonish is the present tense, which means ongoing. Admonish one another means be admonishing one another. To repent or to turn from sin is a very hard thing. It is against our nature to repent because pride is part of of our original sin. When we know the huge difficulty to repent after admonishment, we should admonish repeatedly with long suffering. It is naive to think one should repent immediately after our admonishment we all know how many times we need to, need to repeat our rebukes to our children to correct even one very simple misbehavior. If we really love our brothers, we admonish repeatedly, brotherly, and privately. In the end, we also Bring 102, 102 to come with you to admonish him with the sole purpose of gaining him back. Should we keep admonishing this way forever? No. The command of Jesus in Matthew 18 is not so. There is a time when we need to move forward to tell the church to help our brother? Answer 85 says, when they will not, after having been often brotherly admonished, renounce their errors and wicked course of life, are complained of to the church or to those Who are thereunto appointed by the church. If you see small but steady changes for the better, you continue your private admonition with long suffering. But when you see no changes are happening over time, you know that the private admonition does not help your brother. This medicine is weak or non-effective for him. And you may come to a point that you desire a stronger medicine for your brother. Before you tell the church, Make sure you have admonished him privately and repeatedly, have approached him with one or two people, and have given for him to given time for him to digest and also have given him opportunities to repent. But what if a girl is sexually abused? She should immediately tell her parents, and her parents should tell church immediately. The reason is that sexual abuse is a crime, and the girl is an underage child only. This is not violating Matthew 18, because the sin mentioned in Matthew 18 is not a crime. And offended one is not, is a mature adult in Matthew 18. When private admonition does not bear fruit of repentance, then church admonition will follow. It is worthy to note here that normally the trigger of church admonition is not sin, but the refusal to repent. Exception to this trigger is a public sin. Public sin immediately triggers church discipline, but normally the trigger is not a sin, but Refusal to repent. In church admonition, church elders will step in to admonish. The elders should aim to gain the brother and strive to admonish privately and repeatedly. The difference with the private admonition is that church admonition is fatherly, while the private admonition is more brotherly. A father should still be humble, but with authority. This admonition is the stronger medicine. We have considered private admonition and church admonition. When all these fail, it leads to church discipline, which includes censure and excommunication. If those who are admonished do not follow the warning of the church, The elders who have been given the key have the power and authority to initiate church discipline. The church first suspends them from attending the Lord's Supper, which is called the silent censor. If the offender does not show signs of repentance After repeated admonition, after the silent censor, the church will eventually move forward to enter the excommunication process. The excommunication is the exclusion of the membership of the Church of Christ. The visible exclusion of the membership of church is a sign pointing to the invisible exclusion from the kingdom of heaven. God issues very strong medicine to call the offenders to repent. Exclusions from your school, your workplace, your family, or your friend circle is horrible. But they cannot compare with exclusion from the kingdom of God. If you desire to hear that your sins are forgiven. How dreadful to hear the opposite. Your sins are not forgiven. This is the strongest voice with the strongest warning to the offender you must repent. Sadly, offenders tend to leave the church when they sense that the church is going to discipline them. They often do this to avoid excommunication and to avoid repentance. They take the pain of excommunication seriously but repentance and bondage to sin lightly. It is like a son who did wrong. His father heard about this. His father is coming home to question the son and to correct the son. The son is afraid and runs away, leaving his family behind. The son would rather leave than repent. The son takes the pain seriously, but sin and repentance lightly. Excommunication is not an end, but a means for spiritual good. Christ uses the church discipline to reopen the door. Answer 85 says, And when they promise and show real amendment, are again received as members of Christ, and his church this can be illustrated by the story of prodigal son and we also hear the words of the apostle paul in second corinthians 2 verses 8 through 6 through 8 and 10 through 11 what a joy to see a man repent after receiving such strong medicine. When the prodigal son came back, the father rejoiced, saying, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And his fault, and they began to be married. We should use the church discipline with great expectation. While the medicine or surgery of church discipline is painful, we look to Christ to really bless this key in the heart of the offender and turn that offender back to the membership of Christ. In conclusion, through the gospel preaching and the church discipline, King Christ, through his officers, opens, uh, closes the kingdom of heaven so that the believers may be comforted. Unbelievers may be kept away from the Lord's Supper and from the kingdom and admonished to repent. And those who repent can be readmitted into the kingdom. People normally feel very uncomfortable to be under the church discipline, but comfortable in the line of unbelievers. Note this. Those who are under the discipline and those who are in the line of unbelievers have one thing in common unbelief and refusal to repent. Jesus says to you tonight, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Amen. Our gracious King Lord Jesus, we pray that Thou might wide open the kingdom of God and draw many people in because Thou hast said that. If I am lifted up, I will draw many. We pray that the amazing miracle of the cross and the resurrection will open the door to many, especially those in our midst we pray that under the preaching of the Holy Gospel, Jesus and Him crucified, all the people will come to the line of believers and weep under the cross. Lord, we pray that Everyone in the line of the unbelievers will be unsettled and cannot afford to sit or stand there anymore, and weep before thee, and we pray that, Lord, forgive them, forgive and help their unbelief. Lord. Help them to look to Jesus and they can bring nothing to thee but sin, Lord. Love them and take them in. Forgive us again today by the precious blood of Jesus our Savior. In His name we pray. Amen.